0: The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World.
1: The journeys of the apostles of Jesus Christ are an amazing account of how far and how fast Christianity spread in the few decades after the church began in Jerusalem. The fact is that Jesus Christ as head of the church inspired his men to spread the gospel to all points of the known world his last words recorded in the book of matthew are well known go therefore and make disciples of all the nations this was a prophecy for them but it has just as much meaning for god's servants today the twelve apostles set out to fulfill jesus Christ's commission and history has recorded where they went but this incredible story has been lost to most people because they do not possess the important key to knowing why the apostles went and where they went. Theologians do not understand this vital key to understanding prophecy, but you can receive it. And so today we're going to remove the dark clouds that have shrouded this important story and reveal to you the amazing account of the travels of Christ's apostles. I can assure you that when you watch this special program, you will be surprised at what you will learn. You'll be filled with a personal quest to help preach the gospel to the present-day descendants of ancient Israel, just as the apostles did in their day. Stay tuned. Welcome to our regular Tomorrow's World viewers, but a special one if you're joining us for the first time. In today's program, we're going to explore the fascinating story of the journeys of Christ's apostles after his resurrection. What most people do not realize is that established Christianity as we know it had its origins in a very different world to the one that the 12 apostles knew. Four of them were Jewish fishermen from the shores of Galilee. One was a tax collector. They were not religious men as many would think. They became sincere and dedicated followers of Jesus Christ who were destined to travel thousands of miles in their lifetime. Part of the story is revealed to us immediately when the new Christian church got started. Let us turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Now you will remember the story of the disciples being gathered together in a room and the gift of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Visiting Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost were Jews from faraway countries. Verse 5 begins the story. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Rather than the apostles going at this time to the far-flung corners, of the Jewish diaspora God brought these Jews to Jerusalem the disciples would travel to these countries in the future but right there and then these people from all of these countries had come together in Jerusalem there were Parthians Medes Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia these countries were in fact in the Parthian Empire they were all east of Jerusalem many Jews and Israelites had lived there for hundreds of years after the Assyrians had taken the Israelites captive and the Babylonians took the Jews to Babylon. These areas were outside of the Roman Empire, so you did not learn about them in your history books at school or college. Then there were Jews from Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Libya and Cyrene, which are in North Africa. Then we come to Rome, Crete, and Arabia. Now, and please listen carefully to the next scripture that I will be reading to you, because it gives us the framework for why the apostles went where they did. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 6 is the scripture we want to read. Jesus Christ told the disciples, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. These were the descendants of the 10 tribes of Israel that were taken captive by the ancient Assyrians. We know that they did not disappear and in fact the descendants of these people are still on earth today. The people of the United States and Canada as well as the British, Australian, New Zealand and South African people are their descendants. Many other Europeans such as the Dutch, the Belgians, the Swiss Scandinavians and French can trace their heritage to ancient Israel as well. I'm offering you a free booklet today that will explain how some of these lost sheep migrated from the Middle East into Northwestern Europe and on into England and finally to the United States, to Canada, Australia, New Zealand and South Africa. So request your copy of The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. Call the number on the screen for your free copy or go online to order your copy at tomorrowsworld.org. Now, let me explain an important point. Most of you will probably believe that all Jews are Israelites and all Israelites are Jews. Sorry, but you would be wrong you would reply isn't the Jewish state of today called Israel well yes it is but that's the source of the confusion the name Jew is a nickname for anyone from the tribe of Judah but Judah was only one of the 12 tribes of Israel along with the tribe of Benjamin the Jews were just two of the 12 tribes where were the other 10 tribes We're going to turn to the book of James, chapter 1, verse 1. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. They were not lost to him. They were only lost to the Romans and the Greeks around him. Even though the tribes of Israel had been scattered 700 years before this time, James knew where they were. They were dwelling in the region between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea and south into the Euphrates and Tigris River regions. The Jewish historian Flavius Josephus, who wrote just a few years after James, also knew that they were there. Let's hear what he says about the Israelites. In his book, Antiquities of the Jews, we read this, The ten tribes... beyond Euphrates till now and are an immense multitude and not to be estimated by numbers who were they there were names that you have probably never heard of the tribes of Reuben and Gad and then those of Ephraim and Manasseh of Zebulun and Asher Naphtali and Dan These and others were waiting for God to lead them to their new homeland in northwestern Europe. Soon after Josephus wrote this account, many of these Israelites began a mass migration in a northwesterly direction to an area where some of their ancestors had already migrated. We find them moving north around the Black Sea and into the Ukraine, as well as via Asia Minor, toward the Danube River there were no highways in those days rivers were the highways of the day and many of the Israelites moved into northwestern Europe taking their names with them another name for Israel was sons of Isaac now this was shortened to Isaac's sons or just Saxons they moved into what is called today Saxony in Germany some Jews travelled also with them and gave their name to Jutland or Jutland in Denmark today even Denmark is named after one of the other tribes where we find the mark of dan the names the Danes themselves actually name their country Denmark so dan left his name wherever he travelled for example the danube river along with the dnieper And the Denista rivers in Eastern Europe carry the name of Dan. Have you found this information of interest? Well, if you have, I've got even more for you in the second part of today's program. To help you understand why the apostles traveled to far-off lands, you need to receive a copy of our booklet that connects them with you today. If you're living in New York or Toronto or maybe London or Cape Town, You can find out why these cities came to be mainly populated by English descended peoples. There is a reason, and it is the same one as why some of the apostles went to England 2,000 years ago. Be prepared to hear new information. But meanwhile, phone or order your copy of The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. Today we're discovering the amazing story of how the apostles traveled to countries far, far away from Jerusalem to preach the gospel. Jesus Christ had told them to go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let us now begin to look at Jesus Christ's apostles. Who was the chief apostle to the tribes of Israel? Why, Peter, of course. If he was to travel and visit all of the tribes he was responsible for... You would expect to see this in his writings, and that's exactly what we find. Notice from where he was writing his first epistle. Let us turn to the end of 1 Peter, and in chapter 5, verse 13. She, that is the church, who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you, and so does Mark, my son. But to whom was he writing? Notice very carefully in chapter 1 and in verse 1. That's First Peter, chapter 1, and here in verse 1. He says, To the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, they are the same regions that we heard of earlier that had representatives in Jerusalem at the foundational Pentecost service of the church. They had traveled there from northern Asia Minor, which is Turkey today, and Peter was living in Babylon when he wrote to these people. But we will find out that he later visited Roman Britain. The next apostle we will consider is Thomas. He's often called Doubting Thomas. You might have actually heard that. This may have been his weakness as a disciple, but in his later life he was anything but a doubter. In fact, he became a pillar of faith and belief. His case is of interest as we find a great deal of evidence that he went to India where a population of Jews were located in Kerala on the western coast. In fact, there's still a community of people in India who call themselves Ma Thoma as they believe that their church was established by Thomas on pages 152 and 153 of a book titled The Search for the Twelve Apostles by Dr. William McBurney we read the following Thomas the Apostle preached the gospel in Parthia and India converted many including members of some royal family suffered martyrdom there and was buried there Peter's brother was Andrew and we have plenty of evidence as to where he went, an Englishman, William Cave, writing in the 17th century, wrote in his book titled Antiquity of the Apostles. This is what he wrote. In this division, Andrew had Scythia and the neighboring countries primarily allotted for his province. The Scottish people claimed that Andrew was their patron saint and with good reason. Before the Scots moved into their present country, they were living in the area of the Caucasus Mountains. Isn't it interesting that we often call white people Caucasians, even to this day? The reason is that most European people came from that region originally. At this time, the Scots were known as the Skiths. You know, it's a similar word, Scot and Skith. You can see where they are similar. We know this because some Scottish nobles wrote about it. In the declaration of Abroth of 1320 AD, these nobles wrote to the Pope, and they said the following. We know, and from the Chronicles and the books of the ancients, we find that among other famous nations, our own, the Scots, has been graced with widespread renown. Now, before I read the next part of the declaration, let me show you where the Scottish people traveled from and how they came to be in Scotland today. Continuing from this ancient document, we read, they journeyed from greater Scythia by way of the Tyrenian Sea, that's the Mediterranean, and the pillars of Hercules, they are called the Straits of Gibraltar, and dwelt for a long course of time in Spain to their home in the west where they live today. They then go on to mention that Andrew preached the gospel to them when they were living in Scythia. To this day, the Scottish people claim that Andrew is their patron saint. Which other apostles do we know about? Well, let's consider James, the son of Alphaeus. He was known as James the Less. Let's notice again William Cave who states that the Spanish understood that this James came into the western parts and particularly Spain and planted Christianity. To this very day, the city of Santiago de Compostela is a city to which thousands of pilgrims flock each year. The name Santiago means Saint James. Why did he go to Spain? Well, the answer is that for hundreds of years many Jews and Israelites lived in Spain. He was simply visiting the lost sheep of Israel where they were living in Spain and Portugal. This area is still called the Iberian Peninsula. Can you see that the word Hebrew is similar to Iberian or Iberian? And the main river in the north of Spain is the Ebro River, or as the Romans named it, the Iberus River. The word Hebrew is found in other parts where the Israelites traveled. For example, the Western Isles of Scotland are known to this day as the Hebrides Islands, probably named by the same Scythian Scots who traveled there. To understand more fully how the ancient Israelites found their way into Europe and the British Isles, request your copy of the United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. Call the number that we will give you during the next break. Get a pen now and write down the number. If you've just joined us, we are discovering where the 12 apostles went after they had established the church in Jerusalem and the region of Judea. We've seen how they obeyed the command of Christ when he said, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Let us consider another of the apostles and where he traveled. This apostle was not one of the original 12 disciples, but was called by God after Jesus Christ had been crucified. His name, of course, was Paul. What is of interest is that because he was made the apostle to the Gentiles, you can be sure that where he traveled would primarily be where the lost ten tribes were not to be found. Of course, amongst these people were some Jews who were living in the midst of the Gentiles in the Roman Empire. Before we go to the area of Paul's ministry, let me offer you once again our free booklet, The United States and Great Britain in Prophecy. This informative booklet will lead you through the fascinating journeys of the descendants of the sons of Jacob, who were also known as Israel. You will see how they moved into the far off lands of Europe before spreading out to the Americas, Australasia, and Southern Africa. Take a note of the phone number that we will give you and then request your free copy.
0: To receive this program's offer absolutely free or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org or you can write us at the address shown.
1: Welcome back to Tomorrow's World. In today's program, we're discovering the importance of understanding why the apostles of Jesus went to the far ends of the known world to preach the gospel. We have seen that Thomas traveled to India and Andrew went to the people of Scythia near the Black Sea. We know from the first epistle of Peter that he was in Babylon when he wrote to true believers living in Asia Minor. But what about Paul? Where did he travel? We are told in many places that he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Let us notice an interesting intervention by the Holy Spirit that ensured that he only went to the Gentiles and not to the tribes of Israel. In Acts chapter 16 is the account of the travels that he had through Asia Minor. In verse 6 and 7 we read, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. The reason that Paul was forbidden to go into the north of modern-day Turkey, or Asia Minor as it was known at the time, is that some of the tribes of Israel were living there before they moved northwestward into Europe. When we match this account with 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, we can see just why Paul was not allowed to travel there. 1 Peter 1 and reading verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. These are exactly the same people that Paul was forbidden to visit. This shows us just how important it was for God to have the apostles identify where the tribes of Israel were living at the time. Just before Jesus' death, Peter asked him a question, which we find in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. Matthew chapter 19, and here in verse 27, he asked him, What shall we have? In the next verse, he was given the answer by Jesus Christ. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, that is the kingdom of God, when the son of man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. It is clear that the 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel will have a special relationship that will last for eternity. How can that be? Let us turn to the book of Revelation and in the second to last chapter we find this very same wonderful bond between Israel and the Apostles. In chapter 21 verse 10 we are shown the great city the Holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. In verse 12 we are told also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And then in verse 14, Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The Bible is filled with prophecy, and much of that prophecy has to do with the tribes of Israel. If the Jews are the total surviving people of ancient Israel, then there are not the numbers that he promised would descend from the 12 tribes. Let me explain. Today there are fewer than 20 million Jewish people on earth. This is, of course, greatly due to the horrific trauma these people have suffered throughout the centuries. But God said that the descendants of Jacob, or Israel, would be far more than just a few million. What did God promise Jacob just before his name was changed to Israel? In Genesis 28:14, God promised him also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And in you and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The total number of descendants of the people of Great Britain and America of the northwestern European people such as the French, Dutch and Scandinavians, number into the hundreds of millions. Combined with other descendants of ancient Israel, we can see how this promise of God has been fulfilled. There are British descended people in every corner of the globe. From the frozen wastelands of Canada to the tip of the South Island of New Zealand, we find Scottish names. In South Africa and Australia, British descended farmers grow wheat and raise sheep and cattle. The vast mines of Australia, the United States and Canada produce mineral wealth for Asian industry. All of this is a fulfillment of the promises made by God to Abraham and his sons. No other people have been blessed like these people, but these blessings are fast disappearing and will finally disappear. Here at Tomorrow's World, we believe our commission is to warn end-time people of what lies ahead for them. Are you ready for the days ahead? So far on this program, we have seen where some of the apostles traveled in their day to preach the gospel message to the sons of Jacob. On my next program, I will continue this amazing story with even more information about their wanderings. Be sure to watch my next program, which will be part two of the apostles' prophetic journeys. Be sure to watch Tomorrow's World every week at the same time when Roderick Meredith, Richard Ames, Wallace Smith, and I bring you the good news of Tomorrow's World.